Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to another edition of the Warrior U Podcast with your hosts, Bram Conley, Reese Duar, and Coach Louise Benoit. These podcasts seek to provide you with ongoing motivation towards your goals. We will explore topics around nutrition, physical preparation, and motivation, as well as discussing what to expect from life in the military. For more information on today's podcast, be sure to visit the show notes, and don't forget the Mentors for Military podcast, too. Drop in and have a listen. So my guest on today's show is Dr. Ian Dunican. Ian has 20 years international professional experience in health, safety and improvement within the military, mining, rail, oil and gas and utilities. A combination of scientific research and operational leadership to support organisations in reducing risk, lowering cost whilst optimising productivity and performance. In layman's terms, Ian tells industry why sleep is good for them. So what I want you to do is settle back have a bit of a think about this and understand that sleep is the performance advantage. It is the secret weapon. Have a listen. So rebranding. So this is the Warrior You podcast. And my guest today is Ian Dunican. Pronounce that right? I don't know, Matt. It's Irish. You, you, you tell me. You're saying it. I don't know. It's- <laughs> Sestimol faulty or whatever they say in Ireland. That's right. It's uh, Dr. Ian Dunican Bram. Yep, doctor. <laughs> but you can call me. You can call me Major. <laughs> yeah, who, a personal friend of mine and someone who's given me some good insights into business and and podcasting and and you know just someone who I value their opinion of and in particular your opinions to do with sleep. Believe it or not, I don't know why. But, um, <laughs> maybe tell us a little bit about yourself and your fascination with sleep and performance. Yeah, I, pro- I suppose the fascination for sleep and performance came originally from when I joined the military back in 97 in Ireland. Sleep was something you don't get a lot of in the military. And then, you know, through your training and then being on the ground or being in military environments, you don't get a lot of sleep and you're, you're kind of, you're pushed to perform with lower sleep. And there was this whole thing about, oh, you can get by on less sleep, you can train yourself. And I was kind of always, hmm, I wonder if that's true or not. And then sort of post-military career after five years, working in mining, health and safety, which many people will be aware of here in Western Australia, the whole thing will fly and fly out, long work hours, shift work and so on. And parallel to that, I was in uh, running ultra marathons, being involved in combat sports. So I was always interested in that kind of human physiology and very particularly around the sleep and recovery parts of it. And as I grew as an older, getting to be an older athlete, obviously recovery becomes more important. So I kind of got into sleep by default. It was a problem in a company I was working for probably 10 or 11 years ago. And it was just by pure chance I got into it. I was doing a lot of human performance based, let's say, health and safety projects. So it was by complete accident I got into it. And once I got into it, I was like, this is a fascinating part. I really haven't looked at personally or professionally. And that's really what just 
what snowballer from there and then sort of like 11 years later here I am um sort of just recently finished a PhD in sleep and performance with athletes yeah. so it's it, it was kind of a weird entry yeah. that's that's brilliant I'm obviously you know I, I'm interested in sleep as well I do it most days um <laughs> one a few people <laughs> and um yeah and I've always sort of had that fascination with sleep and performance and how you can be a better athlete or a better soldier by tweaking and hacking the way you sleep. I, I now work for a mining company running a leadership program for them and I and I think one of the things that I've seen that's important is probably that, you know, people wake up early in the morning and they get to work before it's before there's any light and then they finish and they finish at 6, 7 at night and in the winter there's no light and they work underground all day and there's no light and they go home and they, they sleep and they're slowly over the two-week swing their performance deteriorates. Do you think that's got something to do with the not just the quality of sleep but also the fact they're not seeing any daylight perhaps? So I know we're getting straight into it, but, yeah, what do you got? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. So we'll just kind of roll it back for a second and talk about some fundamental principles of sleep science. Yeah, cool. Inside all of us, in the base of the hypothalamus, inside our brain, there's something called the SCN. Right. Suprachiasmatic nuclei. Nucleus, right? He's not reading from any notes, by the way. Crack on. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just looking up to the sky, making it up. <laughs> well, you look up to the left or right when you're lying. And so this little kind of thing is a cluster of cells about the sm- size of your small fingernail. Right. And this is like what we call the internal body clock, which people often refer to. So that's like the master clock. So if you think about your head being like the master clock, and then that is synchronized by natural light that comes in through your eyes. Right. And so this kind of synchronizes you to the location you're in. So many people may have heard of a circadian rhythm, circa coming from Latin meaning about, dia meaning a day, about a day, because it's like 24 point something. It's not exactly 24 hours. And so this synchronizes the SCN to allow us to perform over a course of 24 hours. So when it's light outside, cortisol increases. And then when it's dark, basically melatonin increases. We have this inverse relationship between these two hormones. So cortisol alerting us, melatonin being, for want of a better word, kind of a sleep-inducing hormone. Right. So we get this inverse relationship. And so that happens over a 24-hour period. But then from that as well, there's other peripheral clocks in our body. So our heart and our lungs are all sort of synchronized to the SCN. So when you travel across time zones and you get jet lagged, Mm. you may land, let's say you go from Sydney to Las Vegas and you get there and you're like, oh, I'm really tired, but it's the middle of the day. My stomach doesn't feel so well. You know, I'm burping, I'm farting, whatever it might be. This is because the digestive system has got its own peripheral clocks that are synchronized to the SCN. So everything kind of gets disrupted. But as you spend more time in that time zone, you get synchronized. Now, the reason I say that is because it's the same thing when we look at underground mining, for Mm. example, Mm. the lack of daylight. So, There's other issues there, lack of sunlight, which will lead to lower levels of vitamin D. And we see this in far far north Canada, for example, underground mining. But you're right. When people are not exposed to light or the natural light and dark cycles, Mm. whether it be in underground or in an environment that doesn't expose light and dark cycles, you will have issues with sort of secretion of cortisol and melatonin Mm. over a 24-hour period. Mm. You're probably more likely to have depression or issues around mental health. You're going to have performance issues in relation to how you perform from a cognitive perspective and probably physical as well. Right. And on top of that, you might start what's called free running. You don't actually know what time of day it is because you haven't got these external cues to synchronize your SCN. So some people... Uh, get completely desynchronized. Some of the earlier studies in sleep were actually conducted in underground mining where people went underground with no natural light yeah. for 50-odd days. And or, went, or resistance to interrogation. You, 
Yeah. You've know, got no idea what time of day it is. Exactly. Hessian bag over your head comes off at who knows what hour. Yeah, right. Which is also used in casinos. Yeah. When you go into a casino, oh, yeah, there's no clocks. Yeah. Light, light, the light and dark cycles are controlled. Yeah. The air conditioning is controlled. The yeah. air, all these things. Mm. So you always have this kind of, mm. you're not quite. Constantly sort of hyper vigilant. Exactly. Not ready to go to bed yet. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. First question I want to ask you, and I may have prepared a few. You know, what is sleep? Good question. So we still don't know what it is. We really don't know. So it's important to understand that sleep science is in, in the sciences is still relatively new. Mm. It's only really since the 60s when we discovered the differences between REM sleep and non-REM sleep, mm. rapid eye movement and non-rapid eye movement, that we've seen a real increase in the research. Mm. And only really in the last 10 years have we seen a significant increase in the performance-related research, particularly on athletic performance. Mm. But coming back to the fundamental aspect, we still don't really know what it's for. Mm. A lot of the studies are type of reverse engineering. We know when we deprive people of certain time periods of sleep. Is it Joe Joe Rogan who says that maybe when you're asleep, maybe that's you dreaming when you're awake? And when you're asleep, maybe that's your real life and all this sort of mind playing. I'm not stuff. getting into I'm not getting into the simulation theories here. <laughs> it's too far. It's brilliant. I it's too- when he when I first heard him say that, I was like, Man, you are you it's are too many drugs. <laughs> well, he's just so it, it's one of those so out there, you know, concepts that when you start to sit there and think about it hard enough, it's like, yeah, okay, you, you know, you're, <laughs> you're a genius, Joe Rogan. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe you've tripped too many times. <laughs> so sleep at its fundamental process, um, or what it is, is a mechanism to re- basically repair the body. Yeah. We know that when we deprive people of sleep, for example, non-REM sleep, mm. which is important for physical repair and recovery mm. the next day, and these often get referred to as deep sleep, so stage three sleep, mm-hmm. growth hormone is released. We normally deprive people of that, that next day and subsequent days, physical performance is impacted. Yeah. And that REM sleep, rapid eye movement, which generally happens towards the end of the night, when we deprive people of rapid eye movement sleep between three and six o'clock in the morning, now we know that cognitive performance is going to be diminished. Yeah. Okay. So that's a, it's, it's a, it's a basic form. It's a form of basically recovery of human physiology. Right. And there's all sorts of weird out there theories. And I like to sometimes ask guests about weird theories, but there's there's that whole, you know, we're all interconnected motherboard sort of uploading, you know, uploading, downloading thing going yep. on across the whole of humanity. Have you ever heard anything like that? Any strange things like that before? Yeah. So the one thing that comes to mind is Rupert Sheldrake, mm-hmm. the controversial British scientist who has a theory called morphic resonance. Mm-hmm. And so he speaks about when fire was invented, how come people all around the world and sort of at the time were lighting fires or most recently. Because they couldn't share it on Instagram. Yeah, I think it was a, I think it was a MySpace then they were using. <laughs> yeah. So my, someone wrote on a cave somewhere and appeared on a cave. Here. Yeah, I think it was called MyCave. That's my what cave. it was, yeah, MyCave, yeah. <laughs> we should um, market that. So after MyCave, you look at in, probably in the last 50, 60 years when mm. Mr. Bannister broke the four minute mile why did people break the four minute mile within a year after that why was there school kids breaking the four minute mile mm. you know so it's that kind of so thing his, that once his theory is that subconsciously we're connected and that when you go to sleep that's the you, you're getting a collective experiences of the rest of humanity maybe or somewhat kind of like an invisible internet type of thing where you're getting uploaded and downloaded constantly this collective consciousness yeah. or like people would say well, just one pixel in a big it. picture so yeah. look yeah, i don't worth, know it's it, worth looking at his studies haven't been replicated, mm. but um, I think it's interesting. And I think, like, if we look mm. at science over time, there's obviously things that we thought were crap years ago that now have come to fruition or we have better measurements. So yeah. 
you know, I still, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm open to new theories, but it's pretty interesting. I, I do it's enjoy the there. morphic resonance one. It's definitely <laughs> out there. What are some of the problems people have with sleep? Oh, because apparently there's a, the, I, I heard the other day on, uh, it was a pretty reputable channel. It was like channel seven. Um, <laughs> wasn't the ABC. There was something about we're in a sleep epidemic across, across the world. Yeah. It's getting, actually it's getting really bad and people think, oh, I actually think it's getting worse because of the technological age yeah. where, you know, we're kind of more stimulation. We're more, more kind of plugged in front of a better word. Yeah. In the Western world, we see like particularly here in Australia, Australia is really good at doing this with um, the Sleep Health Foundation, the Austra- Australasian Sleep Association in conjunction with Deloitte Access Economics have done two reports on the kind of the cost of lack of sleep. Mm. And they had the latest report come out late last year, which shows that per person, I mean, nearly over $4,000 per annum is lost due to lack of sleep. Per person? Per person. Wow. So $4,000 per person, yeah. which is 20 something odd billion, like 26 billion, I think, of the industry, right? And lost productivity because of sleep. Wow. Now, when you drill back from the economics of that or the, the financial data, we see that approximately one in three people are not getting enough sleep, not even achieving seven hours per night. Right? We see that 20% of people are one in five mm. have got a sleep disorder. And there's over 80, 80 recognized sleep disorders by the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. Mm. And we also see now as well, as we get fatter as a nation, particularly mm. in Australia and America, these kind of countries, those things are highly correlated to sleep-related breathing disorders. So basically, right. the fatter you are, the more chance you have of having like obstructive sleep apnea yeah. where you can't breathe overnight. Okay. And so when you have those disorders, you can't get enough sleep, you feel like crap, eat more shitty food, you get fatter, and we have this vicious cycle that goes on. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, in Western culture, we are becoming more sleep deprived. Um, and I think another thing that doesn't help either is we have so-called leaders talking about how to get by on little sleep, like it's some yeah. sort of badge of honor. Joe. You know what I mean? And some, <laughs> so many people like, Jocko. <laughs> well, look, people, uh, to, to, to give the Jocko example, right? I, I love Jocko's message about, for anybody who hasn't listened to Jocko Wilmake, he's got this great podcast called a Jocko Podcast. And if you're into military history, it's awesome and I really enjoy it. Jocko's message about discipline is awesome. It's brilliant. But also if you dig deeper and look at Jocko, even though he gets up at four o'clock in the morning and exercises, and that's great for him, he's what we call an extreme morning type person. Hmm. So you've got three types of persons. you got a morning person, an intermediate, and an evening person, hmm. often referred to as a lark, for an early morning person or an owl for a late, late evening person. Mm. So we've all got these different type of chronotypes. Yeah, I've got two sons, one on either end of that spectrum. Yeah. That's and killing so, me. Now, so it might be killing mm. you, but there is also kind of from a philosophical perspective, maybe that people are assigned to these chronotypes because in tribal situations, mm. people had to be awake early. Oh, wow. People had to be late, awake, awake late. Mm. So there was always someone that was kind of more easy. And then there's, Strength of the pack. Exactly. And mm. then you have these people who are the extremes like Jocko. Now that works for Jocko and it's great and he can get by on less sleep than maybe more people and that's great but that may not be the same for everybody. Right. So if you're more of an owl chronotype and you like to get up late and go to bed late there's nothing wrong with you mm. and it will be very hard to train yourself to get up earlier. You will have to use a lot of manipulation of light and dark cycles. You may need medication if you want to be an extreme morning person. Mm. But, but it's not necessary. You're better off finding your natural groove and then, exactly. use, and then using that to your advantage. Yeah. So what's your chronotype we call right. it? I mean I'm like I guess I'm like Jocko in more ways than one, but I, I get up at four thirty, five o'clock and work out in the morning. But then again, yeah. I, you know, I'll be in bed at eight. I mean, it's interesting to know he never talks about whether he afternoon naps or whether he sleeps earlier or, yeah. 
Yeah, and we don't know this because for some people they talk about getting five or six hours sleep overnight. Mm. But what are they doing during the day? What are they doing during the day? Do they get mm. a half an hour nap? And like, there is some people that don't really need it. Mm. And then mm. so there's some other people that just can't achieve it. Mm. <laughs> they just can't mm. get it in, mm. you know. But, you know, like lots of people say, there is no biological free ride. 98%, 99% of humans need between seven and nine hours sleep a night. Mm. And if you don't get it, you're going to pay for it sooner or later. Because we now know yeah. from long-term epidemiology studies, mm. the lack of sleep mm. over your lifetime will lead to greater cardiovascular disease, right. greater rates of obesity, right. greater rates of cancer. So let me just get this straight. If you're in a business that makes you work, let's say, 12-hour days, yep. such as mining, yep, and then there's the requirement for, let's say, an hour each side of that to then travel you know, yep. to the mine site. So you're now talking a 14-hour day and then you need yep. preparation either side of that to get up, get yourself organised, get a meal. Yep. So you're now talking, you know. 10 hours maybe left. Yeah, maybe 10 hours left, maybe not. And you're, you're only sleeping, let's say, six hours of the 24-hour day for two weeks. Is that employer culpable for diseases that you get later in life, do you think, or is it, or is it down to the person, the individual? Good question. Mm. And so when I work with companies, I talk about organizational responsibility and individual responsibility. Mm. So what we try to do with businesses, for example, is we try to minimize that effect on people. So from an organizational design, we use what's called biomathematical modeling. So we, we actually plug in all these variables around the roster, such as the duration of the shift, the commute time, the breaks, and we, we kind of estimate the risk. Got what's going on. Mm. But then also we try to optimize other things outside of that, in that 10 hours for yeah. the human. So there's a sleeping environment conducive to sleep. Do they have their own bathroom? Yeah. Do they have all these things that they control? So as long as a business can show an audible, you know, decision-making process and they've they've taken that into account, they're probably not culpable. You've, you've got the 12 hours. It's what you do with that 10 to 12 hours. If you're not sleeping in that time, well, that's not their problem. Yeah. And we provide, like a lot of companies, we provide education and training mm. around the management of shift work and sleep and so on. Mm to provide those individuals with enough information opportunity. And you do that now with your, you've got a business, don't you? Yep. Sleep for performance. Well, the business is called Melius Consulting. Melius okay. being a Latin name for to improve in good style. Yeah. But I have two parts. One is Melius, which is the consulting arm, which works with mining, oil and gas, and even elite athletes. Mm. Sleep for performance provides free information, blogs, Facebook page, LinkedIn, mm. and also a podcast called sleepforperformanceradio.com. Uh, well, .com.au, but the um, podcast Sleep for Performance Radio, where I interview people around sleep and performance from, you know, MMA coaches to leaders to sleep scientists to neuroscientists, and we discuss all these aspects. So Sleep for Performance is really cool. a free arm and Amelia's Consulting is the business arm. Yeah, awesome. So I, I already know the answer to, to this, I, I guess, but I want to let the listeners in on it. During my military career, there was lots of times when I didn't get as much sleep as I would have liked. And I know the effects of not getting enough sleep firsthand from being in the national counterterrorism team to being in Afghanistan operations where you were rudely woken up by some you know people who decided that that time of day or night they wanted to fight you. How inconsiderate of those people. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so what are the effects of a lack of sleep? What does it do to you physiologically, you know, mentally, and what are some ways to, to mitigate that, I guess? Okay. So what's really interesting in military environments, for example, is that the disruption of sleep is not consistent. Right. So compared to people at home with a baby 
who might wake up at two o'clock every morning, might go, oh, baby's up, it's your turn, it's my turn, whatever. You don't have the luxury of in the military or the Taliban, oh yeah, you get up that bram and deal with this one, oh, I'll sleep in. You know, you don't have that luxury yeah. or you got to get into a bunker, whatever it might be, you're getting attacked by mortars. So it's kind of, it's very disruptive. There's obviously a strategy in military as well. That's why you have these dawn raids um, because people are in this, you know, this, this REM cycle sleep, yeah. right? Uh, particularly between three and six o'clock in the morning before dawn, mm. because you're at this low body temperature, low cognitive performance, and you're basically really groggy and feeling like crap. So perfect the, time for commando raid. Perfect time, yeah. Mm. So the effect of that, as you probably well know, and many people will know, is if you're going to have disruption in the first half of the night, which I spoke about earlier on, you're probably going to have issues around physical repair and recovery the next day. So when you interrupt these non-REM cycles, so stages one, two, and three. But when you have disruption between three and six o'clock in the morning, the REM cycles, where they're more prevalent, then you're going to have cognitive performance next day and you're going to feel really groggy, right? Now, if you consistently have that and constantly get attacked, let's say every night between four and five in the morning, that's going to be cumulative then as well, because you're probably not likely going to go back to sleep Mm. um, during the day. And so you're going to constantly get, you know, you have another circadian dip in the afternoon between one and three o'clock or siesta. Especially if it's hot. Yeah. So you've got heat. Yeah. You've had some food. Yeah. You've had nearly more an awakening due to the Taliban yeah. knocking on your door. So then that that dip is actually going to be worse. Right. You're going to feel crap around that time. So to come on to the next part of your question, what can you do about that? If possible, that would be a good time to achieve a nap. And you may have experienced this as well. You're on a patrol and you want the guys to get some sleep before they're going to do something overnight. Trying to get sleep at certain times of the day is really difficult. Mm. So between five o'clock Forced and... Forced rest, we call it. Yeah, so... Mm. Yeah, exactly. Just lie down and relax at least anyway at that time. So between 5 p.m. and 8 p.m., this is called the forbidden zone or the wake maintenance zone. It's very difficult for us to achieve sleep mm. because our body temperature is really high. This mm. is a great time for strength workouts and so on. And this may be a hang up from our caveman.com days, cave, uh, cave space, <laughs> because yeah. again, linking back to this anthropology thing, there's a theory that maybe we were hypervigilant around this time when the sun was going down yeah. because this is when predators would attack us. Yeah. So we would stand at the side of the cave smoking grass because grass was legal back then and we'd be looking out onto the plain and we'd see some saber-toothed tiger right. coming at us yeah. because they would come out to prey at night time where yeah. we would be coming down. But there's a theory that we'd be very hypervigilant around this time to combat these predators coming towards us. So it's very hard for us to sleep. Yeah. Whereas we know around nine, ten o'clock in the evening, melatonin has been secreted and then it's easier for us to sleep then. I, I know that some of the plans that we used to have to make when we were in the National Counterterrorism Team, you know, we the plans that we would make on the first day would be vanilla, you know, nothing out of the box too, you know, too difficult or too too creative. By about 72 hours when everyone had been awake, and then the, the plans that were coming out were some of the most creative and intricate plans to, you know, to finish, you know, whatever the assault was on the stronghold yeah. or whether there was some sort of a plan to, you know, take over an aircraft or something like that. But those plans were really, really creative at that point. And people had. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I slept for a yep. few days. Does that ring true for you in any way or...? 
Yeah. So you see a lot of comedy writers, mm. TV writers do this. So I think Family Guy writers have been known to do this, if I Is read right? correctly. They actually sleep deprived themselves, get, get giddy, and then maybe take substances such as caffeine. <laughs> and then they're sort of like really sleep deprived. So it's a natural sort of yeah. mental, I guess, synapses yeah. has been. You, you get know. a bit crazy. Yeah. You go okay. a bit crazy. And you probably would have seen this, mm. that you would have been awake for 48 hours and you kind of just start laughing at just mind, yeah. mindless shit, really. Yeah, I just and thought that was giddy. the Anzac spirit coming out where you start to make no. light of everything. Yeah, no. Okay. Look, Matt, we've had the same thing in, um, for those who don't know, I, I also participate in a number of ultra running events. So mm. you're running up to 30 hours. Yeah. I've hallucinated. Yeah. I've spoken to a dog or some sort of wolf. Mm. You know, people get giddy. Yeah. It's completely normal. It is creative. Right. But... The opposite to that creative. So in an environment like someone writing a TV show, it's very creative. In an environment like military, mm. it's very risky. Yeah, Because their ability now to process information. Make good decisions. Make good decisions mm. because here's one for you. And this has been well proven many times and replicated is around reaction time. Right. Yeah, and you're so, drunk, aren't you? Yeah, Same exactly. Thing. So if you look at being awake for 17 hours, mm. your reaction time is the equivalent of someone intoxicated to 0.05%, which is mm. the legal limit here in Australia. Which is not cool when you're trying to no. kill the terrorists in order to save a lot of the hostages. And Yeah. And then the next thing is if you're awake for 24 hours, it's 0.08. Right. So you can imagine a cumulative effect now over days. The second thing we know is that, and from a military environment, your reaction time mm. is literally the difference between life and death. Right. So we know that then, so people then, the next thing people say, but what about caffeine or stimulants? Mm. That's great. So what, what, what that will do is that will increase, and this has been this has been proven in the US military and studies, your reaction time will improve with caffeine. So you will get that rifle into your shoulder quicker, but your accuracy of your shot now is completely gone. Right. So let's say you're away for 48 hours, you give the guy's caffeine gum. Increased speed, lowers accuracy. So yeah, mm. all that sort of stuff. So you'll, you'll get that rifle into your shoulder and you'll fire off those five shots quicker or equal to being mm. fully rested. Mm. But your grouping of your shots mm. would be wild. Mm, mm. They would be. They would be. Never thought of that. The, error, that years ago. Yeah. the error of that would be crazy. Mm, mm, and so this mm. has been well proven as well. But what doesn't seem to be diminished in military people is physical performance, even when they're sleep deprived up to ninety six hours. Mm. So this could be just due to training. Soldiers can still, like you know, mm. do a kind of a forced march or a, a tab for like five kilometers. Yeah. And, they can still carry yeah. the same weight, still have the same muscular strength. They can carry sandbags. All these replicated tasks of military aren't affected. Mm. But the greatest reaction is decision making and shooting accuracy. Right. And if you're then if you're then loading up, you know, rations, stodgy rations on top of that instead of fruit and vegetables and water and now you're drinking, you know, Coke and eating pies and sausage rolls and pizzas and bloody canned food and dehydrated rations or all any of that sort of crap that we get when you get deployed. I really you're like now, that. You're you're now <laughs> exacerbating the ability to make those those fast decisions, aren't you? Yeah, because if you look at that, and the link with nutrition and sleep is can be a tenuous one, and there's not a lot of out there, yeah. a lot of research out there. I think on in terms of the link. Well, I might be wrong. Mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't seen a lot in terms of performance in military. There is some stuff out there, but I'm probably not qualified enough to talk on that. But you're right; it's going to make you feel like crap. So if the food is making you feel like crap on top of the sleep deprivation, yeah. well, then there's obviously going to be okay. be an issue. But uh, interesting enough, like for those who are not in the military. Think about that in a, in a business type setting. You're getting four or five hours sleep a night. So you're mm. constantly being, you constantly have this sleep loss or sleep restriction. Mm. You then feel tired in the afternoon, which many mm. people listening probably do. Mm. So then they'll be and like, that's, oh, that's I smell some chips on, and pies. If, 
food. Oh, okay, I was going to say that could be based on the food that you're eating during the day anyway, couldn't it? Well, actually, we know that from sleep restriction studies as well, and we know that what gets affected is two appetite-regulating hormones called leptin and ghrelin, mm. which control your appetite regula- regulation. Mm. So when you're sleep-deprived, these kind of two hormones get out of whack, right. and you don't feel, you know, um, basically satisfied. Mm. So when it is one o'clock and you're tired because you woke up at four o'clock mm. in the morning from a disruption of sleep, or you tried to get up and do a workout mm. because you wanted to train yourself to do that, but you're yeah. more of an outgrowner type, well, then you're more likely now to make the decisions about Mm, I smell chips. Yeah. Maybe I'll have some chips. Right. I smell a burger. So we find that people who don't optimize their sleep cycle mm. don't get enough sleep. Making bad decisions. Or doing shift work. Not only to make bad decisions, but they generally will gain more weight across the year. So we see people new to shift work in mining environments. So you can lose weight while sleeping. Oh, it's been proven. Yeah, I knew that already. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Body fat. So people who optimize or spend up to 10 hours in bed. A dietitian friend of mine, yeah. Cyrus, he, he says the same thing. He says, yeah. you know, if, if, you, if you're thinking about going and having a, a night out and gorging and loading calories in your body, you're better off sleeping. Yep. Dan John, who's a very famous kind of strength and conditioning coach in the US, says the same thing as well. Mm. You can, and Ariana Huffington says it as well. And so... When my wife often, like, I've done some crossover stuff in nutrition around fighters making weight. Mm. And so some people ask me, like, I had one girl a couple of years ago ask me, oh, I need to go to a wedding. How do I get into a dress? And I went, just go to bed. Don't go out on the weekend. Sleep mm. 10 hours. She's like, what? I went, yeah, you will actually lose more body fat by yeah, sleeping yeah, yeah. more. Because you will have those appetite control and regular uh, hormones, yeah. leptin and ghrelin. Especially when you start control. building some, some muscle, that muscle then is breaking down calories yeah. while you sleep. And so you need that non-REM sleep yeah. to repair that. How can you use sleep as a weapon individually? I say it all the time, sleep is a weapon. You know, people, yeah. people know I say that. I put it on Instagram, put it on Facebook, put it on the Warrior You page. Sleep is a weapon. How can you, how can you use it as a weapon personally in your life? So I would say for coming back to people who, you know, the practicality of it, I don't get no sleep during the week mm. and when I'm at work or I'm a shift worker, I've got to mm. fly away. I do a couple of days away a week and I travel when I'm in a professional role. How do I use that sleep as a weapon? I would say use sleep to optimize performance before you go. So let's say you're going to wear Bram and you're going to do a week of days and a week of nights Mm. as a typical, let's say, shift worker in mining oil and gas. The week off before that, optimize sleep as much as possible. Mm. So allow for 10 hours in bed. Mm. If you can't get that due to family commitments, maybe program in a time for a nap in the afternoon. So at least on your time off, you're optimizing sleep as much as possible and you're putting the focus on that. So when you do go away, Mm. you've got something kind of in the tank or in reserve that you can, before you come down to like deplete down to zero. And then over the year, is that optimized sleep cycle when you're not on your swing for the mining industry, say, is that cumulative? So the week that you optimizing your sleep cycle, we then go away for two weeks, you come back, got a week off, then you're optimizing sleep again over that year. Are the health benefits cumulative? Yes. Even um, though you're breaking it up? Yeah, because what you're trying to do is you're trying to recover from the last swing and you're trying to prepare for the next one. So it's recovery and preparation. However, what I would say to people is that, and here's a classic cycle, time off, seven days off, seven days on, seven nights on, seven days off again, right? Mm, So you get that full revolution. Revolution? Yeah. I was going to say evolution of that. And so what I would say is on the time off, prepare, recover and prepare. On the days then, be consistent. So if you are only getting, let's say you're going to bed at 10 o'clock at night and you're getting six hours sleep, be consistent on those nights. Try and get six night, six hours of sleep each of those nights. Mm. If you're only getting four hours on night shift sleep, which is 
probably the average four to five hours. Yeah. Again, be consistent at time. I go to bed at seven o'clock in the morning and I get up at midday. Mm. Consistency would be better. Okay. So don't try to be highly variable in mm. those. So yeah. that's what, so consistency will help with the quality as well. I think from what I heard, the fire departments across the country have all gone to a new sleep cycle. They used to have like the, the two days on, two nights, then four days off. So they that's used to right, have yeah. four days on. I think now what they do is they have a full 24 hours at the station rather than 12 hours. So, so they'll be there mm. all day and all night because they know that most of the time during the nights they're not going to get called out. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they've changed matter. that. Yeah, well, maybe you should look into that and we'll we'll do a whole other podcast on on sleep and uh, breakdown and performance. That's interesting because yeah. just a note on that is like, you know, so that might be enough. In a, that, that's going to depend on the area. So if the fire department doesn't get a lot of calls and they're yeah. not generally, yeah. but in ambulance services, they would have higher amount of calls at nighttime. Right. So it actually get worse for those guys. And we yeah. talk about 17 hours awake, 24 hours awake. Yeah, so there's spe- specificity to the requirements yeah. of sleep for d- different occupations. Exactly. God, I sound smart. Um, specificity. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I picked that up from triathlon training. So... Yeah, here's a two-part question. Will we move towards a world without sleep or will we life hack sleep so that we are doing something while we're sleeping, like learning? Will we move to a society without sleep? Yeah, Jocko would like us to do that. <sighs> so I don't, so I don't know if it's possible. Yeah. I, don't, I, I, I can't see that as possible at the moment. I think we will, we will constantly learn different things about timing of sleep, the function of sleep, the purpose of sleep. We know that like, you know, through medication, for example, like modafinil, which is like a stimulant like Adderall, we know that some people will get by on less sleep using those drugs, mm. but some people have severe reactions to them. Mm. The other thing is like, like Tim Ferriss says and other people is there's no biological free ride. So you might get away with that sleep for 20 years, mm. but then you'll crash and burn. Good. Right. And you'll have some sort of, you'll have some sort of like metabolic condition or some yeah. long-term health effects. So I don't know if you can. Cancer. Mm. Cancer. So yeah, that's, a, that, that's interesting. I, I, at the moment, I couldn't see that. Mm. Can we use sleep to learn? Interesting enough, uh, I had this conversation with a guy a few years ago who was getting into this research and he was looking at lucid dream and I don't think he got any further, but that was one of the things we were talking about. Could you use lucid dream while you're asleep to potentially learn a mm. new language or, yeah, yeah. you know, reinforce whatever's going on? But we do know that from sleep at the moment in stage three and REM sleep, yeah. that memory short term and long term mm. is backed up. Is that right? Yeah. So you so can, you yeah. are learning already by, you're reinforcing that learning or kind of, you know, storing it in the memory bank, yeah. so to speak, by doing it, by sleeping. Mm. But could you use that to learn a new skill? So that means that neuroplasticity is occurring yeah. while you're sleeping. Yeah. And so you're flushing toxins. So, is so there to speak a way to brain. have subliminal messaging through earphones or whatever? Oh. That, that is then being absorbed or not? Yeah, so many people, you can get like hypnosis for for this to listen to when you're asleep, so you can't do this. So an emerging market could be, let's talk about the mining industry again because it's sort of my thing at the moment, or the military, either or. Yeah. So we could teach a new skill. So the new skill could be how to use this, you know, how to drive this mining truck or this jumbo. Or the new skill could be changeover drills between an M4 and a Heckler & Koch USP. Those new skills, you could be, you, there could be an emerging market where someone could put together tapes yep. of someone talking you through the steps of those over and over and over again in such a way that you're listening to it and absorbing it while you're sleeping. Yep, for sure. Now, here's the kicker for this one, though. Some people are more susceptible to those messages than others. Mm. So 16, 17 years ago, when I was cool, Bram, and I used to smoke because it was really tough, I... <laughs> 
<laughs> I give up cigarettes yeah. or in one night from listening to a hypnosis CD. Right. I got up the next morning, I lit a cigarette and vomited. Mm. And I was like, wow, I never smoked since. Mm. So I'm very susceptible to that. Are people who are susceptible to those sort of things, are they, is, that an, is that a genetic makeup or is that, is that something that epigenetics can, can control? I'm not too sure to, mm. to answer that. I don't know. But, Interesting. But I do think that there is something in it. And I know people use hypnosis to, there's a great guy actually from here in Western Australia called uh, Dr. Rick Collingwood. And he's got loads of stuff on iTunes and on his website. So if you search for Rick Collingwood, mm. he's got loads of stuff like give up smoking, lose weight, learn a language, be better at triathlon. Really? Oh yeah, heaps of them. They're really, really good, yeah. you know? And I and and I also know that for some people who suffer with insomnia, the sleep onset insomnia, because there's three types of insomnia, mm. but sleep onset insomnia, a lot of people who listen to hypnosis or subliminal messaging or, you know, sort of these sort of things mm. um, have an improvement in their ability to fall asleep. I listen to Lewis Howe's The School of Greatness. Oh yeah, yeah, I've heard yeah, that. I've heard really that podcast. Good, yeah. I, I listen. I quite often play that on the iPad in the background when I'm yep. going to sleep. But the problem is, he's he's so engaging that it's sort of like, oh what, roll over and really, yeah. I didn't know that. And you know, sort of like listen, listen a bit deeper. Re, before you know it, you've wasted two hours, haven't slept, haven't taken any subliminal messaging in. Do you do you have? I found um, I found out with your book. Oh yeah, I mean, no, I did. I actually did. I I couldn't read your book at night. Because yeah. I read at night and I couldn't find it. So those type of books yeah, that okay. are highly engaging no, I, fiction are quite, mate, uh, got they're, it. They're quite exciting. Yeah, so I, have to, I can't same, read them. I'm the same with Matthew Riley stuff. If I read that an hour or two before bed, it's, you know, your brain's on overdrive. Yeah. Which brings me to the next question. How can we get better sleep? And are you going to tell me to leave my iPhone and my iPad in the kitchen? No, I just leave your wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Anyway. She paid me to say that. Yeah. Um, Okay, how can you get better sleep? So what I would say is look at some of these sleep hygiene principles. This is kind of money for jam, mm. right? That many people don't realize they can do. And these are variables you can play around with. So what are sleep hygiene principles? Alfoil on the windows. Well, I did tell an athlete one time to put alfoil on his windows and he lived in Coogee, near Coogee Beach in <laughs> Sydney and the cops raided his house. They thought he was like, you know, cooking crack or something in there. Had nothing to do with the alfoil. This guy was an elite, like he was trained yeah. to get into the Olympics. He was an elite, like judoka. And yeah, it was quite funny. Anyway, yeah. so yeah, you can control light and dark. So yeah. block out blinds is definitely one thing you yeah, can do. Cool. If you are putting up aluminium foil, be careful in case you do get raided. But aluminium foil is a good one to put in your bag when you're traveling because a roll of aluminium foil or tin foil is really good because all you got to do is roll out the tin foil, sprinkle a bit of water and it just seals to the window. Yeah. And blocks out all the light. Okay. The second thing you can do is you can use earplugs, mm-hmm. block out noise, eye mask again, if you don't put alfoil in your window. I would say before you go to bed, just like we were speaking about with sleep onset insomnia or reading, is do something that's relaxing. So what I would say, there's this whole thing about electronic devices. What I would say is for an hour before bed, at least don't do any work. But, right. And set the set the light to the to the the blue light, right? So that it That's all- been shown not to work. Really? That's been shown to be actually not effective. So iPhone so has got it as no. a setting. It doesn't work. No. Recent mm. studies have shown that it doesn't affect melatonin. Apple, you can hire Ian Dunnikin to come and work for you. <laughs> well, that's what, that's what studies are saying. I'm just, I'm just reciting the literature here, is that the, the night shift mode on these things doesn't work. Right. Um, or F.Lux doesn't work. Now, in saying that, many people report that that, lo- that lowering of the light is helpful and it, it's less strenuous on the eyes. So if it helps you, keep using it. It's probably good for your eyes and not so great for your sleep anyway. Probably, yeah. right? What I would say is 
from my work is that mm. I think that's the activity before bed that's more important. Right. So in other words, if you have a laptop out and you're watching Netflix and you're watching some mm. David Attenborough show that makes you feel relaxed, that's awesome. But if you have your Netflix, you have your laptop out and you're writing, you know, Bram Connolly's mm. next fictional book about mm. some guy mm. that saves the world mm. and you're highly engaged and you're typing away and you're getting your brain all stimulated, mm. well, that's not going to be great, no, is it? Right, so no. I think the activity is probably more important than the exposure. So no sex. What you said, I had Next to, question. I had to leave, <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway. Actually, there's, you know, there's research going on about sex at the moment. A guy called Michael Estella in mm. South Australia um, at, with Central Queensland University is looking at the effect of sex on sleep. Right. And so That'd be interesting. they know that in men, for example, there are studies showing that, you know, that this, when this people ejaculate, when men ejaculate, that it does actually help them sleep. It's a no-brainer, yeah. Um, so <laughs> what about on an aircraft? Don't ejaculate under your Sleep. <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. So sleep, I'm one of those guys who I've, I've jumped out of more airplanes and I've landed in. Yeah. I know there's a lot of people listening who probably have the same experiences and then there's a lot who have no idea what the hell I'm talking about, but I can't sleep in an aircraft. The minute I get in it, I become hypervigilant. Rainbow Six plays over in my mind. I think about jumping out of the thing. But is that because you jumped over? Is that why you become hypervigilant? Uh, or before that, did you? Could you sleep? I've just never been able to sleep on planes. Okay. Surrounded by people. I'm a control freak. I want to be, you know, I don't want to yeah, sleep yeah. and not be in control. Yeah. How do, how do we, how do people set themselves up to sleep on aircraft from the long haul flights? So you go business class. First of all, you hit a great point. So sleeping environments are generally safe. Right. Right. So whether it be in a tribal community where people are all sleeping in one room, there's some safety to that because they're, right. they're sleeping in, in a room together. Right. Or if you're on your own, your sleeping environment is fairly well protected. Mm. The second thing is what's related to why people don't sleep well on planes is actually got to do with the pitch or the angle of the seats. Yeah. Which is exactly what you said, fly business class. So we know that when people fly business class, they get more sleep. Yeah. Right. But it's that angle of, so as we move that chair back, mm. like that's why people have economy, premium economy and business, you're actually paying for the angle of the chair. Is that right? Yeah. And so we know like Raymond Matthews, a guy that was here in Australia, actually, ex, I think he's ex-Navy officer which is not really military if Raymond is listening. Um, Jeez. Thank you. Raymond now That's lives. Not true. <laughs> what, what do you mean, Bram? It's the Australian Defence Force, but not the military. Keep going. Oh, okay. So, yeah, he was in the Navy. Yeah. Uh, now he's in Sweden doing yeah. research. But I, Raymond did some stuff in, in laboratory looking at the angle of the chairs. Yeah. And he actually found that the more upright, the less sleep you had awesome. and the worse quality. Yeah. But the more I went back, mm. basically, the, the more quantity and the better quality. Another no-brainer. Again, yeah. yeah. So it's, it was exactly what we thought. It's got to do with the angle. Yeah. Yeah. But then there is other people as well, like in business class, that just can't sleep yeah. because of the, the environment and what's around them. And it's a very artificial environment. And then also you will have a disruption to that environment if it's a route that has a lot of jet, um, turbulence. Mm. Obviously, you know, getting mm. shook, shaken, like, mm. um, you know, while you're asleep is not, not conducive to sleep either. I had another awesome question for you then. And then you started talking about the Navy and I forgot it. Do you want to talk about the Air Force then instead? Sleep, sleep deprivation. <laughs> Sleep cycles, what was it? Sleep something, sitting up to sleep. Yeah, no, I forget. Must have been that good old email here. I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> Ian, thanks very much. you got anything you want to add before? Do you want to talk about your different businesses or do you want to talk about anything in particular or your podcast? Oh, look, if, if anybody... What's your favourite podcast that you've done? Other than the one with me and Paul Cow. That I've, that I've appeared on? No, the one that you've run yourself. That I... Sleep, yeah, the one that you've hosted. So I've got season two of my podcast coming out in July and I pre-recorded an episode with a guy called Corey Peacock. And I really mm. like that. Uh, Corey is the kind of head human performance coach for um, a lot of elite um, MMA 
slash UFC fighters in mm. South Florida. Mm. And Corey is this kind of buffing on one side, but also a academic on the other side where he's always in the gym working with these elite fighters. That seems was, to be seems to be really prevalent in the United States, doesn't it? Those sort of warrior intellects. Yeah, nerd assassins, I think Joe Rogan calls them. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah. And so that was that was really interesting. And then probably the most and people can go and view this on YouTube, yeah. the most exciting talk I ever gave was last year at TEDx Perth in front of 2,000 people, yeah, which is on that. YouTube, Brilliant. which I really enjoyed doing that because it's very different than the normal scientific stuff. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. It was awesome. So that's great as well. So people can go and jump on that. <laughs> My TEDx pitch was, it didn't get picked up because it wasn't exciting enough for them, but I wrote it was what I learned lying behind a machine gun. It's a chapter in my, my next book coming up, but it's all about being bored and how boredom leads to more intrinsic creative thinking and how we don't be bored anymore. I'm surprised so, I didn't get picked up. That's, yeah, a, that's an interesting title. It I probably, yeah. it, you know, it, it probably would have if I'd had, you know, if the publisher had to push it a bit harder, I guess. But yeah, it was a really interesting thing to write and it was a really, it was an aha moment for me as well when I wrote it because it was like, that's why I can sit now and be completely consumed by an idea and think about it rather mm. than reach for Google or, yeah, yeah, or yeah, ask yeah, someone's yeah. opinion. I like to try and solve things myself, yeah. Mm. Um, if people want to get a hold of me or follow me or look at my stuff, um, there's loads of stuff free on www.sleepforperformance.com.au. Yep. Um, the podcast links are there, um, links to my research. There's a free jet lag book there. You can download an elite book, about 40 awesome. pages. You can download all my research, which is all about sleep and performance and elite combat and contact athletes. You can get hold of me there. All that's there. Check out the podcast. Got some stuff up on YouTube as well. Yeah, my email address is there. If you got any questions, just fire me an, an email. Mm. And I'm on Twitter at Sleep for Perform and Sleep for Perform on Instagram as well. So cool. always happy to I'll, talk I'll link everything all to sleep. That on the show notes as well. And hey, man, doctor, thanks very much for rocking up here in West Perth and jumping on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you, Medro Hunley. <laughs>